0: Good morning, 8.30 group. For some reason, no, 9 o'clock. We used to have 8.30, but it's certainly not 8.30. We are grateful for uh, all of you. And uh, I I guess the majority of people are going to come at 11. We do have a baptism at 11 for Lila Harper, and so they got a sanctuary full coming to, uh, to celebrate that. So, And we're all celebrating that, whether we're here or not. A few prayer prayer requests and announcements. Next Sunday morning, we will take Lord's Supper at both services. We have a deacons meeting at 5. We have church conference at 6. Bryson just announced that uh, we'll also have a food pantry update at both services from Durrell. Uh, On March the 13th, before I forget it, the youth are having a one-day D now. So, I don't see any youth. Well, yeah, there's John back there. See, Bryson, if you have any more questions about the one-day D now. Um, I appreciate y'all coming at 9. As far as attendance goes, that allows space at 11, which seems to be when... As we as we've gone through this, uh, more and more people coming in at eleven. There will not be children's Sunday school this morning. All the other classes will meet because Donna Meacham uh, was supposed to do kids choir, but as kids Sunday school. But as you know, many of you do, Randy has COVID. So continue to pray for Randy. He's had a pretty good week. He's steadily improved. Um, Let's just continue to pray for him. Good to see Tammy back there. Tammy, we love you. We're still praying for you. Any other requests, updates, announcements? Miss Elaine. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Remind me his first name. Steve Marshall. Thank you, Elaine. Also... Ronald Abner we announced the good news that he's cancer free but what does that mean for his pneumonia How, how's his pneumonia So he's going to stay in the hospital the length of that time Okay Okay. OK. All right. Um, thank you, Elaine. Any other update, Crystal. Pray for Crystal's brother Rusty. Abdominal aorta aneurysm. Okay. Any others? Well, oh, other thing. Jeff tonight at 6 o'clock is going to teach the adult class in the fellowship hall. Jeff, thank you for doing that. I think he's also doing Sunday school. So he's going to take notes this morning. All right, let's stand. Grateful you're here. Uh, Mr. DeRail, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir?
1: Good morning. We're going to begin worship this morning with singing Cornerstone. those kinds of things why you love the wife. I'm grateful for her. And
0: I'm grateful to uh, just to worship with all my brothers and sisters this morning. And God I pray that you'd be with Neil this morning. And so he brings a
1: message and I pray that uh well, that we'd be with these things I ask the name
0: If you'll be seated, uh, please take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter five as we work our way through Luke's good news today. is a story that may be familiar to us all, but we are we're going to look today at the call to discipleship. <clears throat> the call to discipleship. We are faced constantly with choices. In fact, we've got too many choices. It can be very frustrating. Because of our limitations, we can't go everywhere and do everything. and We're limited, and so life is, is full of decisions and choices. But there's one choice that you and I must make that is the single greatest and most important choice that we could ever make, and that is to follow Christ. To surrender, to surrender everything that we are and everything that we have and follow Jesus on the path of discipleship. So... That's where we are in Luke 5 as we see Jesus calls today Peter, James, and John to be his disciples. So let's look at how all of this unfolds and let's think about our own discipleship and the call that he has made to us, not only to be disciples, but, but to go and, and what make disciples. So one of the missions for life and for the church, is to make more and better disciples of Christ. To make more and better disciples of Christ. And the only way that that's possible is for us as individuals to be more mature disciples of Christ. So I'm thinking through all that as we look at at how it began for for Peter and James and John. So today we're in Luke chapter 5 verse 1. So it came about that while the multitude came about that while the multitude were pressing around him and listening to the word of God, that he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that is, the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land And he sat down, and he began teaching the multitudes from the boat. That's an interesting scene, isn't it? He makes a a pulpit, so to speak, out of this boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water. Let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night. We caught nothing. But at your bidding, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. They signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help. And they came and they filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. So also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they pulled everything together, so to speak. They, they left everything and followed Him. Father, thank You for the opportunity, through Your grace, to choose to follow You. And not only is this something that we do at the beginning of the Christian life, but we are daily to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and to follow you. And I pray, Lord, by looking at how Peter begins his journey, that we also would be encouraged in our own discipleship. Thank you, Father, for loving us as you do. Thank you for being sovereign over all. Thank you that here on Valentine's Day we are reminded of true love, that greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his, for his friends. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Peter is confronted with a choice, a decision. And the great Yogi Berra says, when you see a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> I'm not sure how helpful that is, but Peter takes, he takes this opportunity. So let's look at what led to... This life changing and eternity changing choice that Peter makes. And let's start off by saying that our choices have consequences. Our ideas and our choices have consequences. Every choice matters. C.S. Lewis said this about choosing every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing into either a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, into a creature that's in harmony with God and other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God, and its fellow creatures and itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing to one state or the other. So Peter is progressing in the right way. He is growing into what God has created him in eternity past to be. The demons, on the other hand, that we saw last week, they hated God, they hated Christ, and they said, "Get away from me." Where Peter's response is, is brokenness and humility and awareness of his own sinfulness. And Peter too says, "Lord, depart from me, but in a much different attitude and a much different. A much different tone so God is calling to himself and God is creating a new family a new community and last week we saw Jesus did this in the church he did it in the home and he did it in the streets and he proved his ability to call by working miracles in all three places and now he's gonna wrap all this together And bring Peter unto himself. He zeroes in on Peter and James and John, but particularly Peter, because he's going to be the rock. He's going to be the one who confesses Christ. He is going to be quote the ringleader, okay of the of the chief apostles. So first, I want us to consider the need for the call to discipleship, the need for the call. Our sinfulness has resulted in guilt, and alienation, limitations and frustrations, brokenness, lostness, and death. We need this call. Peter needed this call. Now within the context, we might as well say about Peter and ourselves that left to ourselves, we don't have sense enough to make the right decision to answer this call. That's what it means to be a sinner. To be a sinner means to sin and fall short of God's glory, to not choose the good and the right. So you and I are marked with a lifetime of sinful choices that go in the wrong direction. This points to his need and our need to be called by Christ. And the, con- the context here is, is grace. And what I mean by that is Jesus earlier had worked a wonderful miracle in the life of Peter. Do you all remember what Jesus did? He, re- he, he healed Peter's mother-in-law in the home last week. All right, so Peter already has evidence of Jesus' grace and his love for he and his family. But on this particular occasion, he takes it to another level. In other words, Jesus is going to catch Peter. Peter's going to be one of those that he's going he's to reel him in so that then Peter can catch other people. So Peter's going to be caught in order that he may catch But Peter doesn't yet see the need for following Christ. Even though Jesus has been gracious and Jesus has been good and Jesus has been working miracles, Peter has yet to leave everything and follow Jesus because he doesn't yet have the awareness of his need to devote and dedicate everything to Christ. But something's going to happen that's going to highlight his need. So Jesus is teaching from his boat... And Peter's fine with that. Jesus, you can have my boat to teach all you want to. You're a great teacher. (laughs) But notice where this thing begins to shift and change. In verse 4, when Jesus finished speaking, he says to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into the deep, Peter. Let your nets down. And then Peter pushes back against Jesus. And he says, Master. And the way he says Master, it's almost the the, the same phrase that that we would use. Uh, Okay, aye, aye, Captain. (laughs) Aye, aye, Captain. It's almost like, yeah, okay, you think you're in charge here. Uh, Yeah, okay, Master. (laughs) And that phrase was used of Boat Captain. So aye, aye, Captain, you know, what does he say? We've been working hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Jesus, you're really a good teacher, but leave the fishing to me. (laughs) I'm the expert in this arena, and you're the expert religious guy. Why are you coming over into what we are superior in and telling us what to do? (laughs) So you see that Peter doesn't yet get it, who Jesus is in the context of his overall supremacy and lordship so 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 Peter pushes back and said okay but because you say so what does he say I'll let down the nets so when this happens this huge catch of fish comes in and they begin to break they are completely overwhelmed and he starts calling the other fishermen to come in and help him and he is completely in awe of what he's, of, of, of what has happened. He's humbled by the fact that Jesus is Master and Lord and Creator and God over every area of life, even the area that Peter thought he knew best. And God will do this. God will humble us in the areas in which we think we have life by, by the horn, so to speak. Your particular area of expertise, boy, he will humble us. And he does that with Simon Peter as he drives home his need for Jesus. Notice that we, like Peter at times, we keep Jesus at a distance. And we compartmentalize and we don't want him as Lord over every particular area of our lives. And Oh, I got it here, Jesus, but, but, but you stay over there. This is, a, this is an awareness that Jesus is on a much greater level than Peter ever imagined. And notice, too, that Peter's work without Jesus was very frustrating. You know, the, there's a psalm, Psalm 127, that, that, I, that I thought of in light of what happens at the first part of this story. And it's in light of the frustration of life and work and everything apart from Christ. Could this be what Jesus is saying to Peter? What we read in Psalm 127? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Jesus, we fished all night long and we caught nothing. Imagine fishing all night and Catching nothing. My granddad used to say, we got wet britches and an, and an empty gut on that fishing trip. Very frustrating. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps, in, keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you. Listen, it's vain for you to rise up early and go to bed late to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Peter, you're frustrated even though you've worked hard and you know what you're doing. But from the very beginning of life, from the fall, what was one of the aspects of the curse on creation and humanity? Is that apart from God and in rebellion to Him, being expelled from the Garden of Eden, our work went from being uh, enjoyable and... And, and productive and perfect and non-frustrating to him saying to man, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to earn a living. And your work at times is going to be very frustrating and very difficult. And you're going to feel like you're running on that treadmill every day getting nowhere. Jesus, we fished all night long and we hadn't caught a thing. <laughs> that could sum up how we feel often about our whole life. So Jesus here is exposing Peter's need for life under a better master. Let me say that again. Jesus is exposing Peter's need for life under a better master. And let's be real. Life hasn't gone very well when we're in control. You and I need life under a better master. And that master is Christ. I told this story recently. I'm going to tell it again just because I had it on my mind. I can't remember which service I told it in a few weeks ago. (laughs) So some of you are going to be repeats and some of you are not. And some of you aren't going to have a clue that you already heard it before. But do you all remember the story that I told about Albert Einstein riding trains to speaking engagements? And he went regularly on these trains to speaking engagements. And on one particular moment, he dropped his ticket, lost his ticket, and so the porter comes through the train and, and, and he, he, he encourages Albert Einstein. He says, Look, he says, We know who you are. Don't worry about finding your ticket, everything's going to be all right. Porter leaves, he comes back in. Einstein's still frustrated, searching the floor for his ticket. The porter says, Mr. Einstein, we know who you are. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about your ticket. In frustration, he looks up at the porter. He says, I know who I am. I just don't know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) Under our control, I really believe that not only do we not know where we're going, we really don't know who we are. Jesus is calling Peter to see that even in, without me and without surrender to me, even in the area that you think you're better than everybody else, that area will be frustrating to you apart from absolute surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Even the best things in life will be frustrating without Jesus. So I got to move on, but 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 I I hope we are seeing in Peter the need the need to be mastered every room of our life by the superiority and the supremacy and the love and the grace of Jesus. The second thing I see is the power of the call. First, the need for the call. Now let's let's get get an awareness of the power of the call. And if the need of the call is our guilt and our sin, then the power of the call is his love and his grace. Jesus does a very gracious thing and a miraculous thing for Peter. And and who are the other two guys? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the the also-rans. What does he do? Well, Jesus could have said, okay, fine. You don't want to listen to me, then be without fish. But Jesus is very gracious. He's very patient. He's very, what's the word, long-suffering with us. And even though Peter gives this initial pushback and resistance, well, just, this is just the beginning of the grace that Jesus is going to have toward Peter throughout the call, isn't it? And we're going to get that in just a minute. But Jesus blesses Peter and his companions with the most fish that they've ever caught at the strangest of times in the most shocking and sudden of ways. And it is just humbling to Peter to see how powerful Christ really is. And if Jesus is going to hook Peter and reel him in, then it's going to take something like this to save and transform Peter. It's going to have to be very, 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 very powerful. It's going to have to be irresistible. It's going to have to be irresistible. This whole story kind of reminded me of the old Jerry Clower story. I'm not going to tell the whole thing in full. But do you all remember the fishing story with Jerry Clower and one of the lead bedders And he said to the guy, are you going to sit there and argue or are you going to fish? And sometimes I want to say to myself, am I going to sit there and argue or am I going to fish? Now, in the story, the guy's holding a stick of dynamite, so it's pretty much a no-brainer. The game warden's holding dynamite. Now I'm getting into the story, and I said I wasn't going to do that. But look at the power of this call. Look at the hook, so to speak. This is an overwhelming amount of fish. He can do far more. Listen, he can do far more than we could ever ask or think. Peter, what did it take to draw you in? He would have sang with George Beverly Shea, it took a miracle. It took a miracle of, of love and grace. Jesus did something in the physical realm that drew Peter in in the spiritual realm. And and Peter was in. He, He was hooked for life by this amazing power. So Peter feels something. Because of the power and the authority and the holiness of Jesus, what does Peter feel? He feels his own weakness. He feels his own sinfulness. He feels his own guilt and shame. And that's why he says, Lord, depart from me. Then he makes a confession, I am a sinful man. Anytime we truly are confronted with God's grace, His power and His holiness, it it will have this effect if it's truly of God. It will be humbling. It will lead us to realize how sinful we are and how needy we are. It will lead us to repent and turn from ourselves and our own ideas and ways to God. And God, through that powerful grace, will begin to move and change and grow you and me and provide for us, what He provided for Peter, abundant resources and grace. If we will just trust the power that He has to turn us and to humble us and to bring us to confess this, Boy, that's not only the the need for the call, that's the power of the call. So if you're like me, God through the years has continued to hammer this home in your life. And this is not a one-time deal. This is a continual, you and I are called to live a life of repentance. I remember when God not only called me to be a disciple, but I remember how I felt when He called me to become a disciple maker through the gospel ministry of preaching. And sometimes he'll humble us in what we're great at and sometimes he'll humble us in what we know we're not great at. And what I knew I was not good at was public speaking. I knew that I was not good at testifying and verbalizing my faith. So when our youth minister would line us up and we would sing, Benji knows what this is because he had it about 10 years before me. We would travel to churches and sing and our youth minister would say, okay, Benji, I think The Lord is leading me to have you come and share your testimony. And a few years later, it was not Benji, it was Neil. Neil, why don't you come up here and share a word uh, with us about what God is doing in your life. And I would be back there praying, Lord, please don't let him call on me. Please don't let him call on me. Please don't let him call on me. Lord, you let him call on me. (laughs) I was the guy terrified back there to be called on to share about Christ. I remember that. I remember the feeling. I remember the terror. I remember the emotions. So when I skipped youth meeting, and the youth group voted me to be the speaker for Youth Sunday, God, you've made a mistake. God says, no, I'm not. I've got a great sense of humor. That's what you get for laying out a youth meeting. So I said yes to that, and and long story short, to get to this point, I kept saying yes, and God kept providing more, and I kept saying yes, and God kept providing more. My like, God, how am I going to have something to say? How am I going to preach every you know all the things that come into your mind? And I'll be honest, He has never ever. I've failed Him many times. He's never failed me. In fact, he, he, he weekly and monthly and annually has, has provided, like he did for these, these fish, so much through the years that, that all of you have got to help me. <laughs> Peter received so much fish that he needed help from James and Andrew. And isn't that the church? Isn't that what he's doing that... That God, as all of us are obedient to the power of the call, that he provides more and more responsibility and more and more opportunities and and on and on. And he does this to overwhelm us individually so that we'll we'll recognize the need of, hey, I need you guys to come and help here. But it all begins with us each individually trusting the power of his grace to where where he calls, he will provide. Um, there's so much here. Uh, we've got to move on. That's the power of the call. And there's a lot that, that's implied there. But then we also need to look at the results of the call. So Peter's broken. Man, look at verse 8. He, like, like all the great disciples of God, he realizes who he is in light of who God is. He he recognizes like Isaiah, Woe is me, Lord, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Verse 19, worship here, amazement seized him. All his companions were there to help. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were partners with Simon. And Jesus says to Simon, These are all crucial statements. And messages could be preached at every single juncture here in this sentence. What does he say? Do not be afraid. Don't fear. Because it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Because of his holiness and his power and his majesty, there's a sense that we should be terrified, right? And Peter feels that. But then Jesus, like in the book of Revelation with the Apostle John, he, he places his hand on him and he says, Do not be afraid. And how comforting, right? Trust. (laughs) Peter, you can place your whole weight down on me. You can cast all of your anxiety on me because, what, he cares for you. This is not demonic terror, as we saw last week. This is actually reverence and respect that he then under subjection to Jesus, feels also this, this assurance. So as Peter chooses to follow Christ, he is being yoked to Jesus. And Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, this, this all reminded me of that powerful statement that he makes. When he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. That's a disciple. It's a learner who is yoked to Christ. In submission and subjecting to him. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. A disciple is a learner. A lifelong learner at that. For I am gentle, I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. When Dallas Willard... A professor at the University of Southern California, a Christian apologist, a Christian philosophy professor, when he was asked by his students, Why do you follow Jesus? His reply would be, Well, who else did you have in mind? And what a great reply! Who else is there? Self mastery isn't working. Our choices clearly reveal that. Listen, Jesus is the master who will say to us as we follow him, Do not be afraid. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Then the next statement, as a result, there's, there's no fear, but then look at this next statement. There, this is a turning point. This is almost like having... Having children or, or getting married or, you know, moving to a new location or changing jobs. Anytime we go through those key transitions, there's all this from now on. What does that mean? Well, it means from now on. It means no turning back. It means I can't cross that bridge anymore. I've I've gone. This is a new beginning. And from now on, what? You will be catching men. You will be catching men. Isn't it good that Christ has not given up on Peter or us? And what he says about Peter is going to come true. That the statements that Jesus makes about us, they're not not invitations. They are actually commands. And and they're not hopeful thinking, they are realities. Peter will be catching men. So there's this transformation that's going on in Peter's life. He's going to change. Jesus is going to make him become a fisher of men. Well, how is he going to make Peter become a fisher of men? He's going to teach him. He's going to walk with him. He's going to forgive him. Ultimately, he's going to make him by dying for him and rising again from the dead. This is just the beginning. But he will be made to catch people. Notice that what matters most to God is people. This changes how Peter relates to people. This tells us that people weren't created for us to judge. They weren't created for us to use. They aren't created for us to manipulate or control or insult or scrutinize or fix or conform to our image. They are created for us to love, to serve, to teach, to bless, to correct, to guide to sacrifice for, to be salt and light, and they are created for us to eventually, with the goal of making disciples of them. So Peter's image of himself, his image of other people, his image of God, all that's going to change. At Aces baseball game in Montevallo, Alabama yesterday, something happened during the game that transcended everything else that was going on. I'd never seen this happen. We were freezing cold out there. The game was nick nick and tuck. I mean, it was tight and it was intense and there was a play at the plate and there was an argument from one coach and the argument from the other coach and an argument with the umpire and the players. Just a big commotion at home plate. Then all of a sudden, everything stopped because a kid... And the West Georgia dugout was having, we didn't know at that time, but he was having a seizure. All the players on the field hit the floor, the ground, to their knees, praying. The umpire and one of the Montevallo players were literally kneeling beside one another, praying. I saw the umpire put his arm around the player and they were praying. The medical staff that was there at the field, they were called out. An ambulance was called. I mean, everything took less priority relative to what was going on in this kid's life at that particular moment. At that particular moment, none of the other stuff mattered. At that particular moment, everything else was petty and trivial compared to what was going on with that young man's life. And we later learned that he often had seizures. But at the time, we didn't know. And they, they did take him off, and apparently everything was okay. But at the time, we didn't know. And what mattered more than anything else in the world at that particular time was not the score, was not the play at the plate, was not baseball, was not sports. What mattered was what? A human life. <laughs> and sometimes we need those wake-up calls as to what really matters and what's really important. And it seems to me that for Peter, that's happened here, because it says after this moment that he does something, he leaves everything and follows Jesus. He loses his life and gains his soul. He loses what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. At this moment, he realizes that nothing else in life matters more than following Jesus Christ. Well, the rest of the story will show us that when Peter left everything to follow Jesus, the result was that he was forgiven of his sin. And Jesus later said, I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to be forgiven. So he gets forgiveness. He also gets transformation, as we already talked about. He gets a, a, the, the, the purpose of life, which is to reach people, to, to, to lead people to glorify God, know God, and become his disciples. His whole life begins to change and transform. And boy, Peter is a mess, isn't he? I mean, this is only the beginning, and there are a lot of things on the way that he's going to learn. Jesus, this shall never happen to you. Really? You're thinking like Satan, Peter. Jesus, you shall not wash my feet. Peter. Jesus at the transfiguration, let's just stay here. This is wonderful. Let's, let's make this the kingdom right here. Peter. He pulls out the sword to cut off Malchus's ear. Peter, put your sword away. He denies Jesus three times. Peter. You see the lifelong process that discipleship is of sanctification and growth? So he's going to get forgiveness. He's going to get sanctification. And following the resurrection, Peter's going to realize finally that he knew this all along, but he knew it in a greater way. Boy, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's the greatest decision that Peter ever made. And you can read 1 and 2 Peter As he explains the joy of sacrificing and losing everything to follow Jesus. In whom was a living hope, the hope of glory that nobody could take away. But you and I are getting a glimpse at just the beginning. Where Peter saw the need for the call, the power of the call. And then he began to see the results of the call, to leave everything to follow him. I'll close with this, Sunday, and I asked Tammy permission to share this. Sunday night, we had a time of sharing, and a few of you were there, and Tammy was there, and some of her family members were there, because we still have Nick on our mind and on our hearts. I do this morning, and Tammy, it's great to see you back there. Uh, we love you, and we're still praying for you. Tammy shared a couple of things last Sunday night that were really, that were really touching and very powerful about Nick's life, and and I want to close, and, and I asked Tammy if I could share, this is my interpretation of what she shared last Sunday night. You know, somebody like Nick Washburn dies, the impact and the imprint can carries on with us. Uh, and I told Tammy, you don't just lose someone like Nick and then, you know, move on. Uh, that is going to be in our thoughts and minds for, for quite a while, and, and rightfully so. But Tammy was sharing that... Uh, when she and Nick, quote, fell in love and got engaged, that Tammy, like a lot of us, she admitted that, you know, she just kind of said yes without putting a whole lot of thought into it. <laughs> now, y'all know you've been there. and Maybe not with that, but with some other things. And she thought to, us, to herself, uh, yeah, but, you know, I don't know, I don't know. but But, you know, I'm going to go through with it. But then she shared this, that During the engagement, at some point, Nick agreed on a whim. He's only known this elderly couple a few hours. Nick agrees to help this couple who were trying to move some things because they were transitioning from one home to another to another move. You can get the details later from Tammy. (laughs) Tammy. But she's standing there with Nick, and Nick has agreed to help these total strangers move all their stuff from one place to another. And Tammy's thinking, he's got something I ain't got. But Tammy shared with us that it was at that moment when she saw Nick Washburn's servant heart that she knew she had made the right decision. God was confirming in her as she watched him be willing to sacrifice and serve, that I've, I've agreed to say yes to a very kind and gracious man. And I'm sure, as Nick and Tammy went from engagement to marriage, to where we saw them in their last days together, along the way, Tammy, I'm sure, had many confirmations through the years that, yes, I had made the right decision. And what made me think of that is that God's call upon your life is very similar in that initially, there may be fear and reservations, and there are going to be learning experiences along the way, but hasn't He, for you and for me, markers along the way in your relationship with God where you say to yourself, I am so glad that I said yes to Christ because He has confirmed Time and time again, that yes, you are on the right path. Yes, you are on the right way. In fact, he will confirm again and again that there is no other way outside of Jesus Christ. But if you board the wrong train, it makes no use running up and down the corridor yelling and screaming. What do you got to do? You got to get off of that train and get on the one that's headed in the right direction. And that's what repentance and faith is. It's deciding to follow Jesus, though no one else go with you, no turning back, no turning back. The good news of God's grace, though, is that along the way, He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, and He will continually confirm in your life the power and the grace and the certainty and the assurance of His call. Father, thank you for the ways in which you work with us, for you are long-suffering. You're patient. You're kind. You're holy. And so many times, Lord, I know personally that I have, like Peter, failed you. I've said the wrong things. I've thought the wrong things. I've made foolish choices. I've misunderstood what you're doing. But you are so patient and kind. And we see in Peter that he went from Simon to the rock. And that's, that's something you declared to be true. But him becoming that took... It took his whole life. And Lord, you demand far more than we ever imagined. Well, boy, you provide... Infinitely more than you ever ask us to give up. And this is something that we continue to learn as disciples. But all of this is in the context of where we started that greater love has no one than this. That he laid down his life for his, for his friends. May we see discipleship as friendship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand this morning and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you decided to follow Christ? Have you made that decision? Are you sure that you're on the right path? Are you being discipled by the right one and only Master? You come as we sing. You so much for being here this morning. Thank you, Catherine, for that. Uh, what I thought was very fitting uh, invitation, you know, after a sermon like that. Um, Any word before we close? Don't forget something.